Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman, mom to Skylar, my incredible adult son with severe nonverbal autism. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast five years ago was that the content of each episode brings hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. In sharing the many relatable caregiver stories and experiences, I sincerely hope that you never feel like you have to travel your parenting journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my Facebook page, Welcome to My Life, Skylar's World, or Instagram, Welcome to My Life underscore Lori Hellman. And let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes or Audible, please leave a rating and a written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to season five of Living the Sky Life. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Living the Sky Life. I am thrilled to bring back a guest that I had back on an episode 104, I think was her first time on the podcast. Mary Barbera is joining me today to talk about specifically toilet training. So a little bit of background about Dr. Mary, in case those of you that aren't familiar with her, I want to look into all of her resources that she offers. But Dr. Mary Barbera fell into the autism world in 1999 when her firstborn son, Lucas, was diagnosed with autism. Since then, Mary transformed from a confused and overwhelmed parent to a board-certified behavior analyst and best-selling author. After earning a PhD, Mary launched her first online course in early 2015 and later built additional courses and a membership program to help both parents and autism professionals. In her vlogs, podcasts, books, webinars, and online courses, Mary teaches her unique step-by-step system and method to help children with autism or signs of autism talk more while reducing tantrums and other problem behaviors. Mary's latest book, Turn Autism Around, was published in 2021 by Hay House and is helping parents and professionals start turning things around for young children with early signs of autism and older children with an autism diagnosis who are still struggling with talking, tantrums, eating, sleeping, and of course, toilet training. So Mary and I dive into this topic specifically because several of my subscribers were asking questions about toileting, and I've been very trans. Skylar is not toilet trained um, at 20 years old, but I'm never giving up hope that we will be able to accomplish that task. So she gives me a lot of pointers and I think really useful information for all of us who are still struggling with the topic of potty training slash toilet training. So please enjoy Mary's information and uh, let me know if you have any comments or questions after the episode airs. So welcome back to another episode of Living the Sky Life. I'm so excited to have Mary Barbera back on the podcast. I reached out to Mary because she is an expert in uh, toilet training, potty training, and I get a lot of questions and I'm very open with everyone that my son Skylar, who's almost 21, has never been toilet trained, not for lack of trying, but um, and Mary has even helped me at times with my questions. So who better to talk to all of you guys about toilet training than Mary Barbera. So Mary, would you love to give a little bit of background about yourself and and welcome to the podcast again? Yeah, thank you. We met in person back in the spring last yeah. year. So um, great to be here. So I started out in the, and I'm going to age myself here, um, in the 1980s as a registered nurse. And I mm-hmm. always worked in the neuro field 
neuro nursing with, you know, people who had had strokes and spinal cord injuries and head injuries. And then I moved to rehab where I worked again with those neurologically impaired patients, but I also worked with multidisciplinary teams, my whole nursing career, you know, OTs, PTs, speech. Um, and there was a lot of incontinence, bowel, bladder training and, um, so I got very comfortable as I needed to, um, with the whole, the whole toilet training. And then, um, and then I, I moved, I had my kids back to back. They're 18 months apart. Lucas was born in 96. Spencer was born in 97, 18 months apart. And then we noticed that Lucas started to regress, um, and was diagnosed with moderate severe autism the day before he was three. And that's back in 1999. So he was three. Spencer was, you know, one and a half when he was diagnosed. And then um, we started uh, an ABA program in my, in my home. And they were like, well, you know, even though three is the golden age for potty training, it uh -huh. seems to be you know, let's hold off on that. There's a whole lot of things we need to teach Lucas because he was pretty far behind. Even though Lucas, when he was two, went to typical preschool, never had tantrums, never, you know, had aggression or self-injurious behavior, like was just a very quiet kid in speech therapy. Um, I was in a deep state of denial. So you know, when he was diagnosed with such moderate to severe autism, and there was a whole lot more, like he was functioning at like a nine to 12 month old level for language, you know, and that kind of like hurts when that happens. And then I felt extra guilt for being in denial and all that. So we waited until Lucas was, I think, four and a half and Spencer was three. And I potty trained them both at the same time. Which is helpful, um, I think, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, might as well. It's like Spencer was ready. And had I known what I know now about potty training, Lucas could have been potty trained much, much earlier. Um, and now with like, I don't see one-to-one -one clients anymore. I don't go like door to door. So I transformed from a registered nurse and an overwhelmed mom in denial to a board certified behavior analyst, earned a PhD in leadership, started a podcast, the Turn Autism Around podcast, started online courses in 2015. <laughs> so wrote two books. Um, 2007 was my first one. This one, uh, Turn Autism Around. Um, both books, Verbal Behavior Approach and Turn Autism Around have whole chapters on potty training. Um, so kind of by default, I became a potty training expert. Mm -hmm. um, and over the years, actually over the decades, so I've been in the autism world for 25 years. And um, unfortunately, most um, ABA providers are still using a 1972 book called Potty Training in a Day by Fox and Azrin, which is not written for kids with autism, um, but it does involve like intense potty training, which isn't always a bad idea, but it also involves, um, you know, having kids in underwear only letting them pee themselves to experience the, you know, error or whatever you're going to call it. Mm -hmm. And then it also involves positive practice, which is actually a punishment procedure. And like you take that 
1972 approach, which, you know, I mean, it was something that book has sold millions and millions of copies. But as the time changed, oh, another thing it, uh, the 1972 book says is inspect the underwear, touch the underwear to make sure it's dry, do dry pants checks. Well, now, you know, we're in 2024, like these things are no longer appropriate. Right. And especially when you're talking about older kids in schools, even in ABA centers, you know, you have an older kid in underwear only and you're inspecting that, you know, no, no, there's, you know, <laughs> no. Hard stop. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's, let's think about this. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that is how I came upon, you know, all the knowledge, but mm -hmm. Um, and I know you want to specifically talk about older kids and like how to get them potty trained, but like, or we is can there... start in the beginning and then like, yeah. you know, I, I just, people ask me a lot about Skylar and, you know, I would love for him to be toilet trained. I mean, 20 years of pull-ups is a lot and I'm tired of it. And I know he's tired of it too. Um, but so I just wanted to know, I guess, when we get to the older part of the discussion, if there's ever kind of a throw your hands up. It's a lost cause. Just move on and forget about it. Or if people can always be toilet trained, I would assume they can always be toilet trained, but so let's start yes. with like the younger yeah. and then well, kind of well, let's start. It really, it really doesn't matter about the age. Okay. Okay. So, however, you do need to consider the age. Um, Fox and Azrin, I mean, they have not just this potty training in a day, but they they were actually behavior analysts. Um, well, before there was behavior analysts. So I, I guess they were grandfathered in, but they had PhDs and they were very behavioral. And they also wrote books on how to toilet train 40 year old men in institutions. So I'm not saying their their work is groundbreaking in the 70s. It really was. And I'm my approach is takes a lot of that. It just leaves the punishment, visual inspection, touching underwear at the door, you know, but um, they, one of their things that I remember, I don't know which book it was in, but at the age, over the age of five, they believe that any child, despite their IQ being very low or um, their cognitive ability being really low, any child over the age of five can be toilet trained. However, you know, if you add in cerebral palsy or a spinal cord injury or Crohn's or, you know, like I know Skylar has some of those issues, right? Mm -hmm. yep. So this is for like straight up autism. So I have personally seen and worked with kids who are 12 and 16 and not toilet trained and don't have those other comorbid conditions. I've also worked with kids with cerebral palsy and autism and, you know, they, they're not a lost cause. It's just, mm -hmm. it's going to take a little bit more individualization and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So in general, how we start and, and I have online courses and communities. And so I have a, a toddler preschooler community for kids under five parents and professionals working with them. And then I have an older child, six and older course, which really goes very parallel with the toddler course. And that's also for parents and professionals. So with that in mind, um, if somebody fills out an assessment and I have um, a one page assessment in my turn autism round book on page 49, 
um, and in the free book resources. But I took that one page assessment and uh, invested a lot of time and money and created the software. So it's a 10 minute digital assessment. And that's what I would recommend people start with. Whether we're going to dive into potty training, mm -hmm. diving into potty training doesn't mean we don't need information about language, language comprehension, the ability to accept reinforcers, the ability to sit at a table. Um, and then we don't also look at problem behaviors like, are they aggressive? Are they self-injurious? You know, um, how uh, can they touch their body parts on command? And, you know, can they um, pull up and down their pants? And so when you get the digital assessment, after you do that, it's marybarbera.com forward slash assessment. It's still free. I said it was going to be free for the first thousand people. Now it's like 30,000 people have taken it. Still free. <laughs> well, that's you nice. Get, you get then um, in your email after you complete it, you get a two-page printout, which is the one-page printout plus your, your child's scores. Um, in scores in overall score and then scores in self-care, which includes potty language and learning, including imitation and social abilities, and then a score in problem behaviors. And the goal is to get the scores up wherever you start and to use this assessment to make a plan. So in terms of their strengths and needs. So when toddler parents of toddlers come in and their kid is 18 months old or two years old, 2.1 month old, and they say they're not potty trained. Well, they don't need to be potty trained, right? That's not like huge. It shouldn't be a huge goal or a huge anything. Mm -hmm. um, but if somebody, uh, because, you know, they're also not speaking or they're doing this and they can't, you know, hand wash and things like that. So I think it's a whole lot easier to get kids to do like wash their hands independently or more independently because you can provide general prompts from behind um, and help the child to make it fun and stuff. It's hard to prompt from behind when the child is sitting on a toilet or a potty. Mm -hmm. So um, there are some skills, like if the child is not sitting at a table to eat or sitting at a table to do matching tasks, then um, they might not be able to sit on a toilet for two or five minutes. So just generally looking at like the whole picture. And now that I've, I mean, I haven't seen results from 30,000 people, but I ha I mean, I've done some data analysis on some of the groups and it's almost like reading an EKG for physicians. You know, like if you tell me, Leo Tyler's score is a 45% overall, his self-care, because he's not potty trained, he doesn't dress himself. I'm just saying maybe this mm -hmm. is the case. You know, his score in that area would be probably in the 20s or 30s. Maybe his language, if he's not speaking and everything. And this isn't like, oh, make you feel bad. This is just like, it is what it is. Like, and maybe his problem behaviors are are not as bad or whatever. So maybe his score in that area is 60%. It doesn't matter what the scores are so much as what's on the digital assessment that you can say, that's a strength, that's a need. Like he can sit all day and do puzzles, but he, he you know, and he can sit on the toilet. He just doesn't go. Like those kind of things 
It's almost like you have to be a detective to find yeah. out your starting point. So the digital assessments first, and then, you know, based on age and also family priorities, like I had this little girl who had just turned three and mom was all about potty training because she wasn't able to move up to the preschool class. She right. had to pay, pay another fee because she wasn't potty trained. Like to them, it was a bigger deal than to some other families. So we made that part of the plan. And we, um, I have, you know, videos that I share of this little girl, like sitting in the kitchen, um, at a table and chairs, like the little table and chairs doing matching and labeling things. And she was sitting in her underwear only like that's not inappropriate for a three-year-old in her kitchen because we have a linoleum pile. Like we are taking her like on a schedule, we're providing reinforcement and everything, but like that would not, in my opinion, be in any way appropriate at a school, maybe an ABA school, if you have a very private area where other students aren't going to, you know, see an older child in underwear only. Um, so, so age is a, is a factor, but, you know, like for Skylar, Skylar, I would want to know, has he ever peed or pooped in a toilet? You know, will he sit? Um, is it, is it that kind of problem? Does he know when he pees or poops? Does he stay dry for two hours? Like those are kind of, so you have to, yeah. you know, it's so funny too, because I'm pretty sure that the method you were talking about earlier is what they have done with him over the years at his ABA programs and stuff. And I mean, it was like every 10 to 15 minutes, he was going to the bathroom and they had him wash his hands regardless if he went. Um, and he was, they told us only underwear and only clothes. And they're like, we, you know, we need your commitment that you're going to wash all these clothes. And like every day send like five, six pairs of pants and stuff for him and then go wash them every night and send them back. And I mean, we always were a hundred percent in no matter what we did everything that they asked of us. One of our behavioral um, therapists even gave us this little device. It was like, I think tinkle tunes is what it was called. And it, it was this little thing that you put in the pull-up and it played music the minute it got wet. So the minute he started to drip um, pee and we'd run into the bathroom, but this kid has the amazing ability to like, I pump him full of orange juice like I did with my daughter and like all the thing, the parenting tricks that I used to know. And he can hold that pee like nobody's business. Even if he has to go, the minute he sits on the toilet, he won't go. And then we pull up his pants and he starts peeing in them. It's the strangest thing. And I know I'm not alone in that. I just, I don't know mm -hmm. if he's afraid of the toilet, if he... Yeah the sensation of, of releasing it, that he doesn't think it's okay, but he's been in a pull-up so long now that I'm like, is he just conditioned to that? He just pees in his pants. Cause that's all he's ever known. Yeah. I don't know. It's a mystery. And, and a big thing is, you know, if he, if he willingly sits and will sit for, you know, five minutes or 10 minutes and, you know, do you have reinforcers going to sit? Do you have, additional reinforcers like has he ever peed on the in the toilet no Never. he hasn't and the reinforcers is the other issue there isn't anything that this kid wants we've mm. taken elmo away like during the day and we only put elmo on the ipad to show him when he was in the bathroom and he could care less he's like fine keep it i don't care 
just like, you know, one mom told me once that her kid loved to push buttons. So they would give him the reward of pushing the garage door up and down or an elevator button or things like that. And they got excited and they went. I just can't break through to him like about something that he loves. I don't know if you've had clients like that. I, I can remember one, one boy who was like 12 and I went in, it was a, I was part of the verbal behavior project in Pennsylvania, which is the Pat, Patton autism initiative now. Um, but I went into this classroom and there's 12 year old, same situation, like really didn't like a lot of things. He liked like sitting on the ball bouncing, but like, that was it. And so I was trying to brainstorm with the, with the, power of professionals and the teacher. And I'm like, well, you know, does it get excited about anything? And these two aides were like, well, but don't, don't tell her, don't tell her. I'm like, don't tell me what, what is it? <laughs> and and he, they go, well, what he really likes is when it rains, he likes like people's umbrellas, like twirling them, but that would never work. And I'm like, what well, that could work. We could get a little umbrella, a travel umbrella. And then if he pees, you know, pop it up, spin it around. Like, that's great. Like, so. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, it can, and it could be really simple. Like, I remember one of the times Lucas pooped on the potty for the first time. I mean, he, he would peeing, but he wasn't pooping. Um, I was like, poop on the potty. We're going to go drive through McDonald's for fries. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> yeah. pooped and in the car drive through, you yeah. know, um, Spencer, my typically developing son, um, he wanted to play hide and seek when I was potty training them. And I'm like, okay, poop on the potty. I'll play hide and seek. Mm -hmm. And that was it. Like, <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, I think for a kid like Skylar, and it was probably very punishing in the beginning of punishing mm -hmm. for him, punishing for you, washing clothes, like that doesn't make sense. You don't have to take away the pull-ups to work on potty training. Yeah, um, There are two reflexes I talk about in both my books, um, the orthocolic reflex and the gastrocolic reflex. Those are for poop, but you're more likely to poop in the first thing in the morning when you wake up. And especially if your diaper's dry, like mm -hmm. is his diaper dry overnight? Oh my gosh, no. I no, mean, soaking wet. it's, I mean, he goes through the pull-up, which is a, a men's depends now because he's older, um, a waterproof pull-up like over it, the plasticky kind, um, then his pajama pants, the sheets, the mattress, the waterproof mattress cover. I, every morning Josh gives him a shower and I strip the bed. And we do laundry every single morning. He pees on pillows and blankets and all of it every single day. I mean, it, this thing weighs five pounds when we take it off of him. It's it's amazing how much. What pee. is he drinking at night? We stop at five o'clock too. He just has water because of his diet. He can only have water, and he eats or drinks water with dinner, and and it's around five o'clock, and that's that's all he has we've cut him off, but it, that's what happens. And I mean, we had him on death troll at one point. Um, and then that didn't really do anything. It's just, I don't know where he stores it all. And then he's obviously comfortable and in he's his a sleep. Thin kid. It's not like he's got mm -mm. water retention issues. Hmm. That's, yeah. That, I know. I mean, it's very strange. Strange. it is. Um, 
to have that much. I have heard about putting like maxi pads inside of diapers mm -hmm. for extra absorption. Um, yeah, that sounds, that sounds difficult. And I would really work hard to be like, um, then, so the gastrocolic reflex is after you eat, um, any, the other thing I would look at, and I know he's got Crohn's and like, <laughs> it's not necessarily about Skylar's potty training. Cause he does have unusual things, yep. but, mm -hmm. but does he poop every day, multiple times a day? We're getting to finally regulating his diet. We're getting to, um, daily, but he'll go three or four days of constipation, which is something we're, you know, addressing. The one positive though, that you said earlier that we've noticed is that in the last couple years, if he goes at all in his pull-up, if he pees at all, he will come and get us or his teacher, his, his RBTs or whatever. And he will take them to the bathroom. Like he doesn't like to be wet and those pull-ups absorb a lot. So it's not like he feels it, but he knows he went. So that's okay. a huge win. I feel like he doesn't yeah. like to have any of that in there. And of course, if he poops, he definitely comes and gets us. Um, yeah. and wants but at night, but at night he, he sleeps right through it. I yeah. mean, so then he wakes are... up early if he's really cold and really soaked. So, so in the box and Azrin books that are for, I think the uh, the book is in the seventies. It's called like toilet training, the mentally retarded, you know, it's just like an old, old yeah. you know, but, yeah. but it does have some good, like they would recommend like an alarm for the bed. So as soon as he peed or an alarm that goes in his pull-up. That's what that so, tinkle to toy or yeah, tinkle yeah, thing was, yeah. but we couldn't hear it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. um, and then the other thing is it's great that he's down to like one time a day, but it's not great that he's holding, um, oh, yeah. he's holding poop. So there is a really good MD. He's a urologist, which should mean he's a pee doctor, mm -hmm. a pediatric urologist. And I interviewed him on my podcast. So you can always search Mary Barbera plus the topic. So his name is Dr. Stephen Hodges. Um, and I found him in 2011 when he wrote this book called It's No Accident, which is really good. And it talks about, I think, alarms. It talks about enemas to evacuate the mm -hmm. mouth um, like once a day to get them regular. It talks about Miralax, which isn't great. Um, yeah. And but there are like more natural fiber supplements that can um get things under control. But in this book, he, he talks about a clinic he has down, um, in North Carolina, I believe. And, and this isn't for kids with autism. This is for kids with pee and poop problems. And they bring him down and they're having a lot of pee problems. They're either holding their pee or they're having massive accidents or going multiple times a day. And he, Ass on the sheet, you know, are, is your child constipated? And 90% of the people say no, but they all are constipated. Like mm -hmm. by x-ray, they're full of stool. Mm -hmm. So in, in addition to like fiber supplements, and I can like send you some to post, but um, like flaxseed, sprinkle that mm -hmm. in his food yep. and, and that sort of thing. Um, so he wrote this book in 2011. After um, I wrote, I think my newest book, 
I talked about him with this book, but some of my members in my community found that he had written two other books called The Mop and The Pre-Mop. Okay, so The Mop Book and The Pre-Mop Book, and it's how to resolve constipation in babies and toddlers and overcome potty training struggles. That's pre-mop. And then the mop is the proven way to stop bedwetting and accidents in toddlers through teens. Okay. So that might be a really good book. And he also has a paid Facebook group for, um, for any child of any age that is struggling. So like if I was struggling with toilet training, some of my members have jumped over there and added that it's, it's not expensive at all. And it's um, bed bedweddingandaccidents.com, I think, is the uh, website to join that. Those are um, good resources, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I really, and and that podcast interview is excellent. It's, it's on constipation and, and autism. And, and in general, lots of kids are constipated because mm -hmm. of our Western diet. And, um, and the push to potty train early. And uh, so I don't believe in intensive potty training early, but I do believe, especially when you're talking about a child with signs of autism or with a, with or without a diagnosis, that it doesn't help the situation to just bring out the potty when they're three and a half or four. It helps to make it a part of their bedtime, bath time routine. And first thing in the morning, like I used to make a jingle up first thing in the morning, when we wake up, we go pee pee on the potty, whether their diaper is wet or dry. Yeah. They don't get in the shower. They go and sit on the toilet, you know, before a shower at night or a bath at night, you sit on the toilet before a long car ride or you know, if he, if he dribbles a little bit in his pull-up and wants to be changed, but it's not that much. Okay. You sit on the toilet and then we help you get, get your, you know, your new, um, so, so that's one thing I would do is, is make sitting on the toilet, a very regular thing. And if you can figure out when he does poop the most, like maybe after dinner or something, cause of that yeah, gas school keeps detailed records. So I have a pretty good idea. It's like okay, so every day. What time? It's like two 30 every day. Okay. So then at like two 15, I would say from two 15 until, you know, two 30 or two 20 to two 35. Like the routine is you sit on the toilet, like mm -hmm. before you get a new pull up or around that time. And on the iPad and stuff, you can watch, you know, we go poop in the toilet and, you know, you can, you can read books, you can watch videos on that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's no pressure. There's no punishment. Um, you know, uh, there's just a uh, major reinforcement for just sitting. Mm -hmm. And then there's major reinforcement for even those like squatty potties, those step stool mm -hmm. things. Do you have we those have, at home? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have, we have at one. home and at school, make sure they have a step stool, make sure kids legs are not dangling. So um, just a little bit more like for everybody here. So we, yeah. we want to do that digital assessment and then we want to dive into potty training. Like, have you started? Have you had many false starts. Have you, has he ever peed or poop on the toilet? Oh, he'll pee, but he asked for a diaper to poop, you know, like, or he'll pee, but 
at nighttime, he, you know, like there's just so many variables and that's mm-hmm. where like our community, we talk about potty training a fair amount, but we also talk about talking and receptive language and tantrums and problem mm-hmm. behaviors. And because it, it's not in isolation, like it may be your biggest struggle with Skylar right now. It might, it might not be, it might be your kind of, you know, in order for it to be 21 years of no success to success, there's going to have to be a lot of effort and a lot of planning for that. So I, I think, you know, the, the, the books and everything. Um, and I would keep pull-ups on. Um, I would probably keep pants on. And like, as a mom, you could, have him pull down, you know, he, and he is telling you that he went, he's motioning, which is great. Um, get VMs to one or two times per day, if possible, if they are going, you know, two, three, four days, if they are, um, when they do have a bowel movement, it's huge bowel movement. Like if they're a toddler, I remember parents used to send me like pictures of these bowel movements in the toilet, like, Oh, I'm so proud. This two-year-old just produced bowel movements that look like mine and I'm like <laughs> I didn't know that that was bad but that actually means they're holding yeah that's... so you know you want it to be consistency of like sweet mashed potatoes not yeah. not necessarily even formed um but not if it is formed, scale. <laughs> that's it, the we have actually, it on all of yours yeah in the um mm-hmm. it's no accident book and probably in the mops book there's there's grades of how to assess the, you know, obviously little balls of, of hard stool or constipation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, even if you don't think they're constipated, unless they're going one to two times a day and it's soft, like mashed potatoes, it's probably constipation is, is mm-hmm. making, is uh, leaning up against the bladder and making them have bladder problems too. And they're yep. holding the whole thing. Um and then if there's a current potty schedule and if you have any data. So if just say, uh, Lori, that you're going to start something, you know, you're going to try to get something out in the toilet and mm-hmm. you have to think about like what kind of reinforcers. I know it's tough, um, uh, but think out of the box like I did with yep. the umbrella and dollar store toys in a bag or um, I also have a calendar data system. So if you Google Mary Barbera calendar data. So if you're going to start like, you know, three times a day, he's going to sit on the toilet. School's going to sit him on without going to underwear. Like it doesn't have to be drastic. Yeah. It can't be drastic. I mean, that's just it's just punishing. Like I've heard stories over the years as a behavior analyst that I'm like, oh, well, we send home the, the underwear filled with poop in a bag. I'm like in the backpack. I'm like, yeah, what are you doing? Like that is so punishing. It's so E. coli and stool are one of the most, you know, humiliating for the kid. It's humiliating for the kids. Like, what are you doing? Stop the nonsense. Right. Um, And then we also, from the digital assessment, you'll get like, what is the form of communication? Even Lucas, who was verbal, we did do like a PEX card on the table. And I've tried this with other clients over the years where 
you know, the alarm would ring, which means it's time to go to the bathroom. And Lucas would learn to pick the card up and bring it to an adult or hand it to an adult or carry the card to the door um, of the bathroom. Just something to kind of have the potty in sight, especially if you're going to use a regular toilet, which mm -hmm. I obviously would use for anybody older than, you know, five or six, you're not going to use a little tiny potty. And yeah. I used to always recommend a little tiny potty for all, for little kids, but lately it's like, that's another step. Mm -hmm. And, um, so there are like contraptions where you can get with steps and, you know, um, but there, are, I like if you are going to use a little potty for little boys or girls, but you know, we have a lot more boys than girls. Um, you have to make sure that, that, that they sit deep enough that they're not spraying pee all over this, the place, it, whether it's a toilet or a seat, they have to sit pretty deep so that they're uh, not spraying and making a mess mm -hmm. uh, while they're potty training. Um, and then also like, you know, wear pull-ups or diapers when you're in car seats or when you're in bed or when you're on the sofa, because that can be a real mess. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I also don't believe that it has to be like, we're doing potty training this week or this month. It can be, we're doing potty training, like we're, we're pairing up the potty. It's five times a day it's on the hour at school and at home with a pull-up it's it doesn't have to be all or nothing or we're only doing it from nine to twelve when there's a therapist at home with mom and we're doing table time in the kitchen like there just needs to be a plan that makes sense for the family that's what i was going to ask you too yeah. if, like if you should not set a rigid time frame for when this, because we don't do it for anything else with our kids. Like you're going to be speaking by, you know, right. age and you throw everything into it because then they resent it and they definitely don't want to do it. But so if that's okay to like do a window, like nine to 12, and we're going to do it for the next three months or four months, however long it takes. Or even we're going to do it for a week and see, yeah. like, like let the data, let the child's behavior, like we also want to make the bathroom like a super fun, relaxing mm -hmm. place, maybe a special light, maybe music, you know, maybe a device, maybe special books, um, a squatty potty you know, stool, or at least a step stool so that their feet are actually more in a squatting position. Um, well, and that's what Lucas was potty trained for pee for like six months. And I didn't know all this stuff. So I had him in underwear and then he go behind the sofa and poop and squat. And um, so the first couple times he pooped, I actually held him, he was five and he squatted on the toilet and went. So we really have to get them into more of a squatting position. Mm -hmm. um, and for adults with the squatting potty, that, that is key. The other mm -hmm. thing you might wanna do is, is teach Skylar and other kids that are, have peed in in diapers for years is maybe they learn to go into the bathroom to pee um you know could he could he even sit on the potty with his or sit on the toilet with his pull up or diaper he does on that. yep oh, he does? he'll go in there he takes us to the bathroom he'll go in there he'll and I'm like well if you have to go to the bathroom have a seat and he's fully clothed 
and everything. And he'll sit down, but he pops right back up. His is a staying situation. Like he just won't stay. He just is up and down, up and down. Um, but what's interesting is he sits on the toilet to brush his for me to brush his teeth and help him with his teeth. He sits instead of stands. And then every single night, um, before his shower, he sits on the toilet while the water is getting warm and I'm just talking to him and whatever in there. And he always sits on the toilet to put his lotion on. Well, I put his lotion on, he sits there. It's just, it's so interesting. It's like when he knows that we're sitting there for the purpose of using the toilet for its intended purpose, he's like, nope, he's up on his feet. And I, that's why I feel like if he could tell me, I feel like he's afraid, like he's just afraid to put his urine and his BMs in there. Like, I don't, I don't know. And we flush it and we pretend like he went and to give him the sensation, we have him, you know, wash his hands and whatever, but I just, there's I also a in the bathroom method where you just literally stay in the bathroom for a week and, and That's he sits hard. a lot. Yeah. It, it, it is a lot. Or you have, you know, a tape. Well, how does he sit for like meals or at table time? He sits great because we have a bench like in a restaurant. Um, we just kind of mirror that. He can sit. I just, we just have to break through to him. And um, I think it's uh, really about reinforcement and getting mm -hmm. some new reinforcements. And yeah. um, so, you know, that's what I would do is, is look at his um, reinforcers. Like mm -hmm. maybe you do lotion three times a day and yeah. he sits there he use and you know what I mean? <laughs> like we're yeah. going to do lotion time again. I never thought of that. That's a and, good idea. You know, visual timers um you staying in the room with him and singing or watching um something on an ipad mm -hmm. um uh and i was gonna ask you just to, to um that for the listeners too like so you said you know just kind of watching their mannerisms and how they're taking to you know starting the toilet training process and stuff are you um a fan of like, if you're just recognizing that after a week or two, that your child is just not wanting to do it or not connecting the dots with it. Is it okay to stop and start like again, another time and revisit it? Or are you confusing them when you try too many times a toilet training protocol? Does that make sense? Well, yeah. And that's where I was saying like the calendar data. And I don't think I mm -hmm. finished that, but like say the plan is now that you're going to put lotion on him three times a day mm -hmm. and while he sits and you're going to try to have a visual timer and you're going to have some music playing or whatever. And you're going to talk to him about, you don't have to poop. You just have to sit here with no diaper on, like, or even with a diaper on, can mm -hmm. he sit and poop with a diaper? Because if he could sit and poop with a diaper or pee with a diaper, then you could start to cut holes in it and like, I mean, I, I've, I personally never had to go that far, yeah. but, um, just to teach kids, like kids that want to pull up to poop, but are pee trained, like you can start giving it to them, but they can't wander around the house. Like you need to poop here, you know, you mm -hmm. need to stay in the bathroom. You need to help clean up. You need to, you know, but then also be like, okay, you have to sit down with it for five minutes. Or you need to sit down and then I'll give you the diaper to poop. Like, I don't think I would do anything for even a week without maybe analyzing. And I wouldn't, 
I also wouldn't be like, okay, forget it. We're going to try in three months. I would just let the data like right in here, what you're doing. Okay. He's sitting, he's tolerating the lotion. There's no pee or poop. There's, you know, um, and, as, but we never want to force a child to sit. Mm -hmm. We never want to put un, unneeded pressure on to do anything in the toilet, but we need to raise the reinforcement super high if they sit. For some kids, just sitting on the toilet with nothing on, like no, you know, mm -hmm. diaper or pull-up on is is really the battle. And it, it can't be a battle. It's got to be, that's what you're working on. And there's never like, I wouldn't like stop. I would, I would just learn more. I would read that mop book. I would read, you know, I would invest in a timer. I would do something to just because you tried the tinkle thing, you know, years ago, doesn't mean that that couldn't work now because now he can feel it. And if he knows he's going to get something really special, if he goes a little bit, okay. like for him, it might just be the connection you need. Okay. Yeah. I just always wondered about that, about stopping and starting. And if it gets confusing for kids, because they're like, you know, I just always worried that because we did those invasive, you know, methods before, and then it's almost like he won. And I know it wasn't a competition or a battle. Our hands up. And we're like, okay, we can't keep every 10 minutes and doing this for day after no, and day. I wouldn't after take day. kids. I wouldn't take kids every 10 minutes. I mean, you don't yeah, go every that's what they had us do. I would and go, I, like I would take up. them 30 minutes max mm -hmm. or even started at 45 minutes okay, or an hour um, and then push orange juice or whatever okay. his favorite liquid is or popsicles or, you know, like for some kids, like four ounces of lemonade or, and don't um, like, I had this one child who like for lunch, he would drink like three pouches of Capri Sun. And then he'd always have an accident right after that. Yeah. Like you want to push fluids, but not like crazy amounts. You want to do four to eight ounces of fluids every hour or every two hours. So it's, it's especially when you're trying to potty. So um, don't go nuts. And if you could build in a reinforcer for sitting, okay, you have to sit for five minutes, then we get the popsicle. Then an hour later, now we have, four ounces of fluid in there. Let's, let's sit for another five minutes, set a timer. Um, yeah. Uh, it, they have to sit and relax in order to pee or poop. Right. But not for like long, yes. long, long times. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Another couple of things I wanted to mention is, um, will they sit anywhere at a table or on the, on the toilet? If they won't, then you have to just pair that up and, you know, it may re require like joining my online course and community and really working on uh, sitting and attending and being reinforced. Like we want kids to like run to the, whatever we're doing. We don't really call, we don't call things work. We want them to run to the learning table. We want them run to the bathroom. We want them to run to get a bath. We want them, you know, and if they're not running or walking eagerly, and if they're resisting, we don't have enough reinforcement. Mm -hmm. um, so you might be delivering so much free reinforcement for anything, you know, because you work so hard. And it's 
I'm never into punishment, but maybe we need to like, be like, okay, we can have breakfast, but first we have to do our morning routine, which includes mm -hmm. five minutes of a sit. That makes um, perfect sense. Yeah. Unlimited like, reinforcement all the time. That's yeah, our house. Yeah, like you want to be the spoiling grandmother. <laughs> well, we're just trying to keep him entertained and like keep him, you know, busy because he just right. takes so much work. And so I'm like, you're right. When you said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what we're doing. Yeah. He gets everything anyway. So he's like, right. what do I work for? Nothing. Right. And, and we don't want to say you're working for, but we want to set it up. There's this thing called the pre-Mac principle. First you eat your peas, then you get dessert. First, we wash our hands and then we can eat a snack. First, we sit on the potty and then we get get dressed and then we get breakfast or we get 15 minutes on the iPad while mom gets ready. So we want to be building in the schedule that gets kids to sit for five or 10 minutes at a time, especially if they're not peeing. Like when you or I sit on the potty, we pee right away, right? Um, there's not that latency. But for kids who have been resistant, um, you know, so maybe you start lotioning with him, not with a diaper on, you know, like, or when the, the thing, right, you know, we're going to sit and while the water's getting warm, we're going to try to pee. Mm -hmm. Um. So it doesn't have to be dollar store toys either. It could be like, I'll play hide and seek with you like I did for Spencer, or we'll get in the car and drive through McDonald's. Like, you know, it could be stuff like that. The other thing is that, you know, a lot of the toilet training books and, and advice is that they need these prerequisite skills of pulling up and down pants and washing hands and, um, so I agree somewhat, but like if your son or anybody listening out there, their child resists hand washing, I do have a free bonus video that's available on YouTube, marybarbera.com forward slash hand washing, I think, or just Google, like I said before. Um, but like hand washing is a really important skill for a lot of different reasons. Um, so if there, if you have a child of any age, that isn't cooperative um, or isn't independent. That's something you can work on um, throughout the day um, with making it fun and building up the reinforcement. Um, I did, I have done a lot of work with like hand washing and things like that. There's a good book called Self-Help Skills for People with Autism. It's kind of expensive because it's older. So it's kind of, but basically the best part of this book is like a task analysis, which you can make um, on a piece of loose leaf. But basically you break down the steps of say hand washing in five words or less. And then you, um, on the side of the sheet, you put the date and how independent they are. If they needed, if they were independent, they needed a verbal prompt, they needed a physical prompt. And we never wanna prompt kids um, we want to be very gentle with when we physically prompt kids, but you know, we see that with kids that especially are older with autism, they don't want to be prompt prompted. They get prompt resistant because people are over prompting. Mm -hmm. So first you have to make it fun and, and be silly and that sort of thing. 
but they need to learn to tolerate gentle physical prompts for a lot of things, for buttoning, for pulling up and down pants. And those are important, important skills um, that I cover everywhere in my, in my books, in my courses. And I have a free potty guide, which covers a lot of what we're going over today at marybarbera.com forward slash potty. It's 20 pages long. Um, there's so much, but that's a problem. There's so much advice. Mm -hmm. And so much information. And then when you have a child like your son or any of the listeners that are still struggling with potty training, um, even with older kids, it's like you're get, you get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that I have one of the best kind of basic, positive mm -hmm. as a nurse, as a mom, as a behavior analyst, like do not punish your child, punish yourself, make it. Um, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this for a couple of days mm -hmm. and then you might have to tweak it. Okay. He's, we're going to do the lotion still because he enjoys that, but I'm going to have him, you know, go back to sitting with his pull up on there, or I'm going to take the pull up off now, you know, now we're going to make it a little bit harder now that I know, you know, you're going to have to be the detective and it's a dance, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a, both an art and a science, but we have to use the science to make the steps. And then we don't just throw everything away. Like maybe you think about like a diet, for instance, like, I feel like I've been on a diet for, you know, my whole life, adult life. <laughs> you know, so it's not like you go like, oh, forget it. I'm just going to eat whatever I want and not exercise for sometimes you know, I do, but yeah, I know what you years mean. and then I'll get back at it. Yeah. You, you kind of just keep progressing. And like, mm -hmm. if something's not working, the scale's not going down or you're getting GI upset or whatever, you tweak it. You don't just abandon everything. Right. So that's what I'm thinking is, is just, you know, so, and then once you do the uh, digital assessment, I think that'll be a really good start. Read the chapter in my book, or at least get the free potty guide. And really the, the steps are, you want to pair or repair sitting on the toilet. Boys who are not bowel movement trained should be sitting. But if you have a boy that's pee trained, that asks for the diaper that refuses to sit to pee, it's okay. Like that happens. Right. But if you have a little boy and you're just starting sit to pee until they're fully bowel trained and fully, uh, independent. And Lucas still, he's 27. He still sits to pee everywhere. I know a lot of adult men who sit to pee. <laughs> just yeah. for so, you know, I tried to like teach him kind of half-heartedly to stand. And then I abandoned that. I'm like, forget it, forget it. <laughs> it doesn't really um, matter. So you have to pair and repair the toilet and mm -hmm. sitting. Um, then it's extra liquids during the time frame you're going to potty train. Mm -hmm. uh, about four ounces an hour. Um, scheduled sits. So either 30 minutes, 45 minutes, or 60 minutes to start. Once they start uh, going and not having accidents, you can actually stretch out that schedule. You want to be pairing them to be asking to go, or at least um, saying, "Oh, it's pot. It's time to you know uh, do our scheduled uh, toilet." And I'm saying potty just because mm -hmm. I used to call it toilet training, but 
um, in the online space, potty training has like a thousand times more hits than toilet training, but mm -hmm. the same thing. But I would also, if you are doing it with school and home, pick somebody like a toilet training manager who's going to be um, kind of the coordinator and like involved with the data and involved with what are we doing now. Um, and uh, yeah, so I would I would do that. Reinforcement is the next step. You have to reinforce for staying dry, for sitting, for peeing or pooping. Um, and that's going to have to be individualized and think out of the box. And then finally, you're going to want to take data. I think in the 20 page guide, I have a data sheet, also the calendar data sheet. If you're like, until you get pee or poop out, I wouldn't even bother with a toilet training. You know what I mean? Every hour, like that mm -hmm. would be punishing, right? So just have a, a data sheet uh, or a calendar that, you know, the first time he pees or poops, um, you're going to mark that in the calendar. And, you know, maybe at that point you go to data sheets once you have some success going. Um, but the, the calendar data is also good for keeping track of a variety of things. Right. Uh, yeah, so the, that's the basic steps. It really doesn't matter how old the child is. I just, I'm glad that we talked about how to be positive, how to make it a priority without driving yourself nuts. Yeah, and your child nuts. <laughs> yeah. No, I think this is so valuable because it is it is hard to not go, well, you know, we're in the adult years now. It's, it's just not gonna, it's not gonna happen and it's fine. It's not fine. I just tell myself that because I don't want to be upset that it just didn't work out for us early on. You know, it's hard to not feel like a failure as a parent that you just could not get that accomplished, but there's still time. He's only 20. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, he's 90 and, and, wanna, and he may be back you know, independent at 90. I don't know. That Fox and Azrin book sounds horrible. Like yeah. with the, you know, with the old terminology, there are some things that you could glean. Like, you know, he describes like, I mean, he it's, it's very punishing. So you have to, but you have to go like, okay, we're not going to do that, right. but it's, that timer, that pad thing. And now yeah. with the technology, there's all ideas. kinds of things that you can link to your phone and that sort of thing. Um, but the, the important thing is that it remain positive and mm -hmm. that you don't, um, you don't take steps backwards. Yeah. Well, your resources sound awesome. So thank you for offering all that stuff. I mean, the free videos and the free guides and some of that stuff. And then your books, of course, are great for lots of information, but specific to the chapters on toileting since we're talking about that. Um, so if you guys haven't checked her out, I'm sure you're all following her probably. <laughs> I think everybody follows Mary Barbero's uh, social media accounts and stuff. But um, thank you so much for this. Yeah. It's really needed at all the time. It's a great refresher for all of us. So I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.